0: Hello and welcome to this episode of For the Love of Sports. My name is Michael Rosiel, and today my special guest is Rachel Balkovic. She is a minor league hitting coach with the New York Yankees. Rachel is an all-around awesome person. She's had such an incredible career jumping around, countries jumping around, stadiums and, and teams and Major League Baseball and wanting that opportunity to be a hitting coach, to be a strength and conditioning coach. So it was a lot of fun to get to understand what she did and how she did it, especially in a male-dominated world, um, you know, baseball, obviously, and, and everything that's going on there. So really happy that I had the opportunity to chat with Rachel, and I hope you all learned something from this episode with Rachel Bukovic. Yes! Today's special guest, Rachel Balkovic, minor league hitting coach with the New York Yankees, previously with the Dutch national baseball and softball team as hitting strength and conditioning coach, Latin American strength and conditioning coordinator with the Houston Astros, minor league strength and conditioning coach slash coordinator with the St. Louis Cardinals, as well as spent some time with the White Sox. You were in the Arizona Fall League, which I've been to is incredible. Um, Rachel, thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I appreciate it.
1: Thank you. It's a that wow. that intro was quite a mouthful. So yeah, you I know, that. right? You, you've been <laughs> a lot
0: of places. Is it kind of? Is it interesting when someone kind of like just lists all the awesome places that you've been off at once? It's got to be pretty cool, right?
1: Um, it's it's like uh, it's bittersweet. You know, there's like been a lot of bumps along the road, and so it's uh, I don't know. It's good. It's just like sometimes I even am like, wow, have I really done yeah. that many, you know, things? But it's definitely uh-huh. a unique makes for a unique perspective because i've got to sample you know like some people stay one place for 10 years which there. by the way there are benefits to that mm-hmm. but i've been able to like sample at this point i think almost 10 different organizations and then working in the collegiate setting you get to be with i was with six different teams at lsu so i kind of saw how six different teams mm-hmm. created their culture and operated and so um, it's given me a really unique perspective of being able to like understand the good the bad and the ugly Mm -hmm. of organizational culture so yeah it's uh it's been an interesting ride
0: interesting ride and hopefully we all can learn a little bit from it hopefully we can talk some baseball along the way that's always fun and i do have hold that tiger written down on my piece of paper so don't worry i i promised we were gonna get to lsu but rachel the first (laughs) question i have for everybody on the for the love of sports podcast is why do you love sports so
1: much um you know what uh ironically i am not i would not consider myself a sports fan like in the traditional sense where Mm -hmm. people are like what's your what was your favorite baseball team growing up and i just didn't have one frankly um i didn't grow up watching baseball i grew up watching softball because softball was starting to be televised more when i was like in high school and playing competitively so i watched texas softball was the thing that i watched if anything um but the reason why i love sports just from like a having played at the division one level softball at the division one level, and then working in sports is it can just be such a powerful vehicle for growth um, for young people. And that's really like my biggest passion is just watching people develop as humans and sports can be this really, really great Petri dish for pushing people out of their comfort zone and getting them to grow at probably a faster rate than if you're just working a normal job or whatever. So sports is just this excellent um, environment to develop young people.
0: I completely agree, especially, you know, it's 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 always funny, you know, when um, you're in high school or when you're in grade school and you, you always want to do the thing you're best at, right? You know, you're really good at language arts. So you read more books, you do more writing, you probably slack on the math homework a little bit. But in sports, if you yeah. love playing sports, like if you're playing basketball, you have to figure out how to dribble with your left hand. Um, you're playing baseball or softball, you have to figure out how to play both sides of the ball or you just can't play. So it's this really yeah. interesting dynamic where you have to grow within the sport, if you love it that much and want to continue to play, you can't just be really great at one thing, especially at a young age. Um, it gets a little different when you're older, but you have to be all around at least okay to be on the field or on the court to play. Cause if not, you're not going to be able to grow, as you said, you know, as, as a human, which is really interesting.
1: 100%. Yeah. That's an interesting way to think about it. I had never thought about that. Like you can, in other areas of your life, you can kind of self-select like mm-hmm. I'm going to do what I'm good at and what I like, but in sports, if you're not good at something, you're going to be out of the game. So you have to like, you have Mm -hmm. to face your failures. You have to face what you're not good at more so than in other areas of life. I think.
0: hundred percent. And don't worry. That's not my original thought. I talked to a lot of people and uh, I, I, as you have gone around and found different interesting things from different organizations, I like to hear some different interesting things from other people along the way too. So um, as you said, you didn't really grow up like loving, this particular baseball team it sounds like obviously you're being more more on the softball side as you said playing division one was it always a goal of yours to work in sports or, or at least work with the body i noticed at uh university of new mexico kinesiology if i said that word right and exercise science so
1: can, yeah. i was close
0: all right i'm close i'm getting better with this english thing too um so was it always like a goal to work in sports or with the body in general and kind of just how'd you fall into this kind of stuff
1: i think that i mean i pretty young understood that I wanted to work in sports, like my freshman year of college. um, I just, I loved being an athlete. Like it wasn't a side job for me. i thoroughly thought that I was going to play professional softball and I probably could have physically, but um, ended up having the yips and um, some like, some mental skills, Mm -hmm. more stuff. So, um, so that kind of plays into the story where I was really struggling on field like as a player and I wasn't even getting that much playing time because of my like mental processes. And so I really just took the, to the weight room where I could still like on the field, I could work as hard as I wanted to. And I kind of had like performance anxiety, so I could put in all these reps and all this time and it wasn't really adding up. Like, whereas the weight room, like no matter what, go in the weight room, you work hard, you're going to see results. And Mm -hmm. so like one plus one equals two. And so I just really like dove into that. It was pretty early on that I figured out that you could make a career out of it. Like, I'll never forget this girl that on the basketball team was doing her homework. um, We were friends and I was like, what are you doing? She's like, oh, I'm writing a a weightlifting program for an athlete, like for one of my homework assignments. And I was like, what, (laughs) I was like, what, is that a thing? Um, So I quickly switched, I was psychology and I switched to exercise science. And for sure, I just always found the weight room to be a place where me personally, when I wasn't really doing that well in the field, I could still find like self-worth and leadership and just contributing in a positive way to the team when I was in the weight room and when we were doing conditioning and those kinds of things. So I just really took to it and decided I want to make a career out of it. I had excellent strength coaches in college who were the most technically, I mean, I was so, I don't say lucky a lot, but I was so lucky to have phenomenal strength coaches in college who were like teaching us Olympic weightlifting, like they were teaching Olympic weightlifters, like they just super high level uh, coaches. So I had some excellent mentors as an athlete. And then yeah, just took off. Um, I just really loved the weight room. So that's kind of how that was born. Um, baseball was a little different. If you want me to talk about that, like specifically professional the more baseball.
0: baseball, the better Rachel, I promise you that.
1: Yeah, this is a interesting. I never used to tell the story. I'm telling it all the time now because I was so embarrassed about it at first. But I the reason why I got a professional baseball was I was in my exercise science degree at New Mexico and I was dating a baseball player who played at New Mexico and we ended up dating for five years, but we dated for two years in college. And um he got drafted to play in the minor Leagues and I, I, I was just like I was like everyone else. I thought, okay, triple A, double A, like all right, whatever. And I had no idea just like the journeyman that these minor league baseball players are until I was kind of living it secondhand through my boyfriend. And so meanwhile, I'm going to get my master's degree at LSU and I was a strength coach at LSU. And so I was like burgeoning my career in strength and conditioning. Meanwhile, traveling to to see him, you know, in Midland, Michigan, and like Ogden and all these tiny little towns and understanding the minor league system, understanding Latin American players, where they come from. He was a bit of a prospect. So he played winter ball and fall league and instructs and, had all these, and I, I just was like so fascinated by the minor league system, which is still kind of plays into like, realistically, everyone's like, oh, do you want to be in the big leagues? And I'm like, eh, like I love working with the young minor league players. And so I just really developed this deep appreciation for minor league baseball. So as I was kind of developing that through, through him, honestly, I just decided like I, w- I would really like to get into that space. Um, And kind of, uh, it was a bit behind, there was still a lot of like eating hot dogs and and stuff on the road. So in the like performance and like wellness area, it was pretty behind. That was 2010. So it's come a long way since then. Uh, But like nutritionist wasn't a thing, you know, when, when that was even just 10 years ago. So there's come a long way, but I definitely um, gained my appreciation for the minor leagues then. And so that was about, as I was finishing my master's degree, I decided to give professional baseball shot um i'm just running this whole podcast but since we talked it's, before the podcast like how yeah. i broke it do you want to hear that because that comes yeah I,
0: I, no one comes here to listen to me like what the heck that's boring i would just have a show by myself yeah. if that's what the case was no we want to hear about your story you're the cool person that has the job with the yankees i'm this guy sitting in my basement asking you questions come on keep rolling <laughs> if i have questions i'll ask you're good Actually, yeah, wait, so, I do want to stop you there then. Um, sure. So you, you jump into the minor league system. So you're at LSU. You, I saw, so at University of New Mexico, you had, exor- I'm just going to go with exercise science. I hope that helps. I don't yeah. need that fancy word in front of it. Um, you then go to LSU, hold that tiger, as I said before, for sports mm-hmm. admin. So at that point, did you realize like, okay, I do want to get into sports in some capacity as well. Because you can yeah. have an exercise science degree and go be a trainer or, you know, go work at, you know, an Equinox or anything like that. Like, right. So like, yeah. why? why did you want to do this, the sports aspect of it?
1: Oh, I was never going to be a personal trainer. Oh no, no. That's just a, I'm just saying that's kind of, I I mean, it was just like, it was, I was, I was, like I said, I loved being an athlete. I loved team sports. I still do. Like I would never, I would never see myself being in the private industry where it's personal training or even if it's personal training of athletes, like I want to be with a team. And so I've always felt that way. I've never had any, thought of opening mm-hmm. my own gym or anything like that um that's never been in me. sports administration was a natural choice for me because i, I thought at the time that i might want to be an athletic director
0: mm-hmm. so
1: that has also always like that leadership idea of leadership has kind of always been in my mind as well which is playing out a little bit now in my career um, so even then 10 years ago now or eight years ago I I knew that I might want to be in administration someday and and be an athletic director, so I chose sports administration when I was at LSU as my ma- my uh, master's degree. Then, so I always knew I wanted to be in sports mm-hmm. and be around a team and kind of kind of be in that workplace where I would could wear sweats to work. <laughs> nice, <laughs> yeah. Hey, like, man, we all got our things. That if that's athlete, yours, roll yeah, with that it, man. That athlete vibe, that athlete vibe was always my thing. So and
0: and so with. With a minor league aspect of it and you getting to see this. So like I have, you know, from where I'm sitting right now, there's a, um, an independent league team. That's probably about 15 minutes away from where I live. And I love going there to see. And it's like, it's this weird league. I mean, Jose Canseco played in it back in the day a little bit. Um, you know, there's some former Mets that I actually saw in a game last year, which was really cool. Andy Chavez and Josh Tolley were both in the game. I was like, what? Like, I remember watching them like 10 years ago. Andy Chavez is one of the greatest catches in Mets history. Yeah, end up losing the series, but that is what it is. Um, so it's just you know it's one of those things where you get to see some of these guys. Uh, you know the the systems that you're talking about. You know the single, the double A, the AA, triple A, a little different. Um, the Arizona Fall League. I actually lived in Arizona for six months. Got to go to some of those games. Have some weird stories Great. about that, but I absolutely loved it. Um, I guess you know as as you were kind of going to talk about it, as you said, you gave the MLB and you gave baseball a shot. How much of is how much of is it? How much of it is? they also gave you a shot. I'm assuming there's a little bit of give and take there, correct?
1: Oh, yeah. Oh, no, it was none. That I gave them a shot. It was all they gave me a shot.
0: Okay, all right. I was going to say, before you said you gave them a shot, I was like, oh, that's cool. I guess she's coming out here gun swinging. But uh, yeah, I guess tell me the story on, I guess, how uh, how you actually broke in and, and got the uh, started getting that paycheck.
1: So I originally, um, I'd said I was at LSU. I'll never forget. I was in my office as a graduate assistant. And I was like looking up, I decided I wanted to, you know, try to get into professional baseball. And I was, I was so naive. Like my level of naivete was 10. All right. So at this time, so I like Google, you know, and I found a forum where they strength and conditioning jobs are posted for professional baseball. And there's a ton of jobs. And I, I start kind of looking and there were like this, this website, there's zero articles written by women. There are zero, you know, n- lists of names, n- zero women. There were no women on this website. And I just was like, huh, that's weird. So I walked into my boss's office at LSU, who's a woman, Melissa Moore, she's still there. I said, Mel, do you know that there's no, are there no women strength coaches in major league baseball? And she just looked at me like, duh. Like, (laughs) yeah, of course she goes, I don't even think there's any women strength coaches in any professional sports. And I, it, it was like, I just was like, mind blown. I was like, what? So I just thought, I still was naive. And I was like, Oh, well, I mean, I'm at LSU. Like that's a great athletic school. And I played division one softball and I had another excellent internship before that. And I I was like, well, I have a great resume, you know, so I applied for all these jobs. We didn't didn't hear anything. And uh, it was like the following year I was about to finish my master's degree and I didn't have any job lined up. And the St. Louis Cardinals actually called LSU's strength and conditioning coach and said, Hey, do you have anyone? We need an intern. For this summer for a rookie league level and of course they were like oh well yeah we have a great candidate they work with baseball and softball they were a catcher in college and it's a she what do you think <laughs> so um the whole like they gave me a shot was definitely the st louis cardinals um, have to credit them for giving me an opportunity when there were no mm-hmm. women i think prior to me there was one other girl who had done a very short-term internship for the mets of all people Um, she's no longer, she was, she just did a summer and I think went back to college athletics. Um, but I did a summer internship and then, um, another long story short, I, you know, after an internship is done, like, they're like, okay, great job, but we're not paying you in the off Mm -hmm. season and we'll call you in six months if you have another job. So they said I had done a good job, but they, you know, I had to go get another job. So I moved to Dominican Republic. Was still dating that boyfriend. Moved to the Dominican Republic with him for a winter ball, and worked for the, his winter ball team. Oh wow! Which was an yeah excellent experience for someone who wants to get a professional baseball. So I lived in the Dominican and worked for a winter ball team just in their front office, doing kind of game day operations, mm-hmm. but still like phenomenal under, to, to understand the win, winter ball leagues and like what that looks like mm-hmm. and just all those conditions. And, so much I mean, stuff going on there. Whoa! wow like the cheerleaders and the chickens and the stands and the just all of it, it was insane
0: <laughs> i can only so, imagine um,
1: well we i guess here let, let, let me stop you yeah. there let
0: me stop you there so with with the cardinals again shout out to them for giving you that opportunity shout out to lsu yeah. for saying hey we we do have an incredible candidate you know here she is here you go take it take it or leave it and is I mean, like, I don't even know how to ask this question. But how how often does it come up, you know, being a, women, a woman, you know, trying to teach, you know, trying to teach men how to lift weights? And so, like, how often does that come up? And how frustrating is it? And then how easy is it for you to say, like, what does it matter? Like, I'm qualified for the job. I can teach you how to do these things. What does it matter?
1: You mean how often does someone, like, bring that, like, yeah. question me on it? Mm-hmm. Um, You know what? They don't. I think we're in a day and age where there are so many people who would never say that to my face. Mm -hmm. You know, I think back in the sixties and seventies, it was more acceptable to just be like, girl, what are you doing here? But now I think people understand and men understand that probably not me. I'm not saying me, but like Mm -hmm. you can lose your job over something like that. You can be sued. You it's illegal, you know? So, and before, really before uh, RBG Ruth Bader Ginsburg, like in this, I think it was seventies, like it was perfectly legal to discriminate against a woman because of her gender. Mm -hmm. So like we're it's, that wasn't that long ago. That was my mom, you know? So I think nowadays people understand that like it's illegal, but it doesn't mean that it doesn't happen. It has come up a few times and I mean a few times I've been in baseball for seven years. So not that many times to my face. But I'm fully aware that behind my back and not to my face in chat rooms and on Twitter behind the Twitter iron Mm -hmm. curtain, as I like to call it. um, You know, I think that's a kind of a really deep question uh, of sorts, because it never happens to my face very Mm -hmm. rarely, so rarely that I sometimes forget myself until, you know, I get hired by the Yankees and it's on Twitter. And then you know, my Mm. sisters are sending me all these tweets and they're like, I'm going to kill this guy. And I'm like, you guys, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So I forget about it until the Twitter, the mean tweets on Twitter. I forget about it until there's a professional baseball, um, ex players forum that I have friends who that are in that show me what they're saying, the players, you know, players that are not happy about it. So, um, it's out there, but to my face, it almost never gets brought up, mm-hmm. but I, that doesn't mean that it's not a problem. Yeah. And I, yeah. I think that's an important thing just for like young women to understand or the world to understand that just because I signed a piece of paper doesn't mean that there's not discrimination happening, doesn't mean that there's not hate in like whatever coming my way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just more discreet, I think, yeah. than it was in decades past.
0: Yeah, Twitter is like the best and worst place all at the same time. It's insane. Um, but there's a lot of good that comes from it. There's a lot of hate that gets spewed on there, as you said. There's that iron curtain, everyone's a keyboard warrior. And I just don't understand. It. I mean, again, if you're qualified for a job, you're qualified for a job. If you can help a team win, um, I mean, heck, why not? Right. So all right. So you're with the Cardinals, you then go down to the Dominican, hang out in Winter Ball for a little while, which must have just been insane. I'm sure we could do a whole nother episode on what was just on the winter ball. Um I see here, though you were with, you ended up being with the Cardinals for four years. So was this a second stint with the Cardinals? Um, What what happened after? I was with the
1: Cardinals. Yeah, this is the this is the this is the story. This is 2013 was easily one of the darkest times of my life. So, basically, uh, I was there. I was with them for three years over the span of four years because at the end of that internship, like I said, Mm -hmm. like they were like, "Good job, but we, you know, we'll call you in." February and I had to make other plans so I actually decided to go back to school which um, ended up not doing but I went back to school in Phoenix for at Arizona State for a PhD in nutrition is what I thought at the time I started taking a couple of prerequisite classes to get into school that following fall Um, so I even told the you know the Cardinals that I wouldn't be coming back but I was in Arizona so I was like well I while I'm taking these classes I can work in the AZL before I really start my full program and again, okay, naive. I was like at a level eight naive at this point. So my, my, I was like, okay, I can understand this is going to be tough. But I got this internship with the Cardinals, like kind of right off the bat, relatively easy. So I moved to Arizona and I, I applied for all these AZL jobs, which were, again, low level, like low paying internships essentially at the time. And I applied for like eight to 10 jobs. And finally, uh, I heard nothing back. And I was like, still very naive, and I'm like, wow, these are just really competitive jobs, and I just gotta work harder and do more internships. But mind you, at that point, I had been at LSU, Arizona State, uh, Los De La State Winter Ball, St Louis Cardinals. I was a div- I mean, I had this crazy resume for a young person, and I got nothing back. Finally, middle of spring training, I get this random call from an organization. They're like, hey, we had somebody quit. Are you still interested? Like, they're desperate just mm-hmm. to give you, just to point yeah. this out middle of spring training they're like hey somebody quit are you still interested in this like internship position for the summertime and i'm like yeah of course we interviewed did the whole thing interviewed in person the guy's like great you're our girl i'll call you back in two days just got to get human resources to get the paper you know i'm like cool never heard from him i was like "Hmm, i'm still level eight naive at this point mm-hmm. So i'm like that's crazy follow up do the thing never hear 3 weeks later i get a phone call from him and he's like hey i'm sorry i ghosted you basically i was but he said you know i just i was told by the administration that they weren't going to let me hire a woman so immediately within lo- those 5 seconds my naivete went to zero i was mm-hmm. like oh shit like okay this is real and he was like but it gets worse and i was like how could this possibly get worse oh he, he said just,
0: that he said it could get yeah. worse oh goodness
1: it, and I'm like, how could this possibly it works? And he said, well, he said, well, I called around. I looked at all the open jobs and I called around to everyone in Phoenix. And they also said the same thing that you, they had received your resume because I applied for every job, mm-hmm. but they had received my resume and they weren't going to be able to hire a woman. And I just, I was like, oh, like, okay, here now I know what I'm up against. And he just was really apologetic, but I was so thankful that he told me the truth instead of just letting me hang. So I understood I wasn't naive any longer and I understood what I was up against. I understood that I had to, I mean, I already worked hard, but I was like, whoa, I'm going to have, you know, this is not going to be as easy as I thought. So anyway, that year was pretty tough. I waitress and I worked at Lululemon to like pay the bills. And then I did an unpaid internship again. I'd already done a short internship with Arizona State, but I did another unpaid internship at Arizona State. Um, just basically my days were like, I would go to ASU at five in the morning, work with baseball and softball and soccer and then go waitress. And then like started, I picked up my Lululemon job later, but yeah. So that was pretty tough. And so, but I sat out that season. That's why Mm -hmm. I wasn't with the Cardinals. So I sat out that season. The next year coming around, I started applying for jobs. I changed my name on my resume. That's a, that story has been floating around quite a bit. So I lied um, on my resume and said, my name was Ray R A E. And was hopeful that i would just get a call i was like maybe i'll just get someone on the phone and i'll have mm-hmm. a good interview and they'll kind of, they'll be like whoa this you know this girl can really probably fit in and i just that was not a good idea i was totally desperate obviously so i mm-hmm. was i was like i said my naivete was gone and i just was like i'll do anything so i changed my name um and it worked like a charm so once you know like again baseball season goes by and there Mm -hmm. are no jobs that are open so middle of like october ish is when all the jobs start to you know kind of pop open for the next year so i started applying for all these jobs with my fake name ray my alter ego and i immediately got emails back i immediately got a phone call and they asked for ray and i i just was shocked of course i was like oh my gosh it worked like Mm -hmm. someone called me and i said oh this is she and and he said like awkward silence insert awkward silence here he said oh uh i just was checking that i got your name right and i was like no you're just surprised that i'm a girl so i said well it's not really good time can we chat tomorrow well i never heard from him of course Mm -hmm. and then i started like emailing back and forth as my alter ego and then finally i just that was pretty short-lived because i just even though it was hard i just had to kind of tell myself like if they, if the person hiring me doesn't want to hire me because of a woman, then I likely don't want to work for somebody yeah. like that anyway. Mm-hmm.
0: That's a great but point. That's hard.
1: that's hard because then I had to say like, well, I guess I have to I'm, I'm willing to just not work for probably at that time, like 28 teams, you know, out of the 30. So, um, was luckily. There,
0: was there ever a time where you just said screw baseball?
1: No. Because I was so, I had like these little shining, I was like, I had these little bits of hope mm-hmm. combined with my personality and how I was raised combined with, you know, after I was like blatantly discriminated against, I had this little chip on my shoulder as well. Kind of like, oh, okay. Like, hmm. Teach you're you. Not, you're not gonna, mm-hmm. yeah, you're not gonna harm me. Like I'm not going away. So, you, you know, like something's gotta give. But I also like, I had already been hired by the Cardinals as an mm-hmm. intern, number one. Number two, that guy wanted to hire me, but he couldn't, you know, and number three, then I changed my name and I got all these responses. So I just, I knew my resume was the right resume. I knew that I had worked really hard to like put together all these experiences and that at some point somebody was just not going to ignore that. Like at some point I knew that someone was like, Oh my God, like, look at this resume. She's been in the Dominican, Salos Cardinals, LSU for two years, Arizona state, like, my resume was ridiculous for like a young person. I was 24 and I'd already done all this stuff. I had, I spoke some Spanish at that point. Like I had such a good resume and I just was like, no, it's something, something's going to give. And to answer your question a little more thoroughly, like to give you an idea in that one year, I had eight uh, division one schools reach out to me to see if I was interested in Mm -hmm. a position in college with women's sports. And I just said, no. So I, I never said, screw it. Although I will say, Like, to be fair, I only really was, like, out of baseball for one year because that following – so, it was January. The White Sox had given me this little opportunity to be in their Arizona Fall League, which was so cool. Like, at the time, I was so sad and desperate, and I was, like, getting worried that I'd have to sit out another year of baseball. And then the White Sox called, and they were like, hey, we're really sorry, but would you be interested in this, like, extremely low-paid – opportunity in the arizona fall league and i was like yes i am interested so i drove like 45 minutes one way across phoenix to mm-hmm. basically like babysit arizona fall league players that you know but it was something Yep. and i kept my resume you know in touch and then it was like okay then i got a view into what the arizona fall league is really like and what that dynamic looks like so that was another different experience so uh, january comes around and i was like pretty much thinking that I was going to be out of baseball again that year because that's late in the off season to get a job. Mm-hmm. And I just got this call from the major league strength coach for the St. Louis Cardinals. And I, I remember thinking like, why is this guy calling me? I was like, Pick a, look at the phone. And I'm like, what's going on? You know, I'm like, hello. And he's like, uh, Hey, are you interested in a, the minor league strength and conditioning coordinator position? I had to pull the phone away from my face and look at the net. I was like, is this someone that's just like messing with me? Mm-hmm. I was like, what? Uh, Cause at the time I couldn't even get a, a internship. Like I couldn't even get a low paid internship and he's calling me for a job that, so just in case the listeners don't understand, he was calling me to be a coordinator, which meant I would have been overseeing 10 male strength coaches and 250 athletes and assisting with all of the major league operations with strength and conditioning. Wow. And I was like, I was like, what, it just like, didn't make sense. So I was so shocked. So of course I went and interviewed and they hired me full time and I, I mean, that was like in the last hour before the 2014 season. Mm-hmm. So I ended up spending two more seasons with them. So it was three years in total with the Cardinals over four years because I set out that year in 2013. And then um, after that, I was with the Astros for three seasons as a Latin American coordinator for two and the Double A strength coach for one. And then I quit. I went back to school in Europe for a year uh, for a second master's degree in biomechanics and statistics. And then now I'm with the Yankees. Here so that was
0: my goodness.
1: That was a long story.
0: That's good. I like I hate when people say long story short. Long story long, man. As long as you're cool with telling it, I wanna listen. Um, you know, I think it's it's incredible <laughs> the the perseverance you show you've shown. Um, you know, I am I don't understand why people are stupid. Um, you know, I guess it is what it is and that's just kind of how it works. Again, if you're qualified for a position, it shouldn't matter what your name is. It shouldn't matter what your gender is. It should just be, are you qualified? And clearly, as you said, you know, at 24, you've already worked for multiple major league teams. You've worked for a Dominican team. Like you've done so, so much. You're clearly a, you know, hardworking and a go getter, right? If that's not enough, you know, what isn't? And it's just very confusing to me. And I guess, Shout out to the Cardinals um, for giving you that first shot and then that first like real full-time shot. I think that's fantastic. And I, yeah. like what, once you broke in, you know, for lack of a better term with the Cardinals and really were there, how did you take advantage of the situation? And, and again, you know, one thing, you know, breaking in is impressive. How did you then make sure that there was zero reason for anyone to kind of start pointing fingers and being like, Oh, look, see, this is why we shouldn't like, how did you kind of make sure that none of that was possible from kind of outside forces I guess does that make sense
1: yeah of course I mean when I first got in I mean my first internship with the Cardinals for sure I just was like I was overly sure of how I dressed you know and how Mm -hmm. I talked to guys probably to the point of like I overdid it Mm -hmm. um, where I was like very gruff and like hard hard kind of and part of that, by the way, is just my personality. It wasn't like I was overdoing it. Some people are like, oh, do you feel like you have to be kind of um, really intense because you're around guys? And I'm like, no, I'm just really intense like, <laughs> That's how I am. You know, that's part of probably why I got the job in the first place uh-huh. is like, that's just, I've always been the over the top intense athlete since I was 12. Like <laughs> I've always been that person which is probably in some ways what allowed me to even break in. Cause I had that like really, you know, just like gritty, mm-hmm. intense Let's go. personality and like mindset. Um, but I probably was like over the top my first few years, just to make sure that everyone was clear about why I was there, you know, and that I wasn't, it's already a distraction. Like you, it's pretty clear that I'm different, you know, right. I'm like an apple amongst a bunch of oranges. So it can be a distraction just me being in the room. So for me to come with like wearing a bunch of makeup or wearing tight clothing or where, you know, especially when I first got in, I just was just very conscious of like wearing men's clothing, even though, by the way, that's just what they gave me. So it's not like I had a choice, but I like happily wore shorts down to my knees and just stuff that kind of hid my figure. And I mean, just was one of the dudes. And, and I, I definitely, you know, at some points probably tried too hard on that. and But I'd, I would have rather erred on that side than mm-hmm. have anyone have any question of, like, my professionalism. So, I mean, I think now that I'm older, you know, I'm 32, and I'm not old, but I'm older than them, to where now I'm just, like, I I just noticed, especially this year with the Yankees, like, my conversations with the players it's just a lot smoother to go oh so like are you dating anyone and I I'm like their big sister you know Mm -hmm. instead of like there's no question like I'm not interested in your 20 year old like you know like yeah, yeah. yeah. very clear like there's enough separation with my age now that I just feel like I can maybe even be a little bit more of myself and be even more feminine and just there's no problem Mm -hmm. and plus I just I have a reputation by now in baseball where ask anyone and they're they're gonna say that I'm not causing any issues Mm -hmm. in that way so it's just I'm just less concerned when I first got in I was very concerned with that and I knew from the day one I didn't need anyone to tell me I knew from day one how I needed to act to gain people's respect over time and now I'm just like now I'm like oh great like oh you're looking at my ass wonderful I'm 32 Enjoy it. Like, I don't know. It's like, I don't know what to tell you. If I'm a distraction, I'm, I don't care. Like, you know, I'm just like, okay, I'm, I'm old enough now to where I'm just a little bit less concerned with that being a question.
0: And that makes sense. I mean, you're, you're comfortable in your skin now. I mean, I'm up to, I'm, I'm 28 finally, but like, if you ask me like what 22, 23, 25 year old Mike was like, it's obviously a lot different. Um, even those, those few short years. And, you know, obviously us as people, we get more comfortable with who we are as time goes on. And that was actually going to be my next question. Not, not totally exactly, but like working with a bunch of, you know, prospects, potentially some of them high level expected to go to the big leagues. We're always kind of the best on their team. Did you run into a lot of egos like that, especially when you were a little bit younger, having to kind of like lay the hammer down and be like, "This is not what I am here for. I'm here because I'm capable and want to do this job, not to talk to you as you know a potential you know dating partner or anything like that." Did that ever come up? No. Awesome.
1: I mean, again, like like a couple times. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, like, but
1: you know, a couple of of the hundreds of guys that I interacted with a couple times, you know, but. But and like within five seconds, it was over because if you like the response Mm -hmm. me was very clear, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, but I just think like, I think as human beings, we it's very simple. I call it the five second rule. But if you like, let's say you go to the grocery store and you get up to check out and the checkout person is like hey how's your day going what's going on it just makes you want to engage in conversation Mm -hmm. you're like wow this person is generally happy and they want if you go up to the checkout counter and they're like not making eye contact looking away you know looking down they don't really start any conversation we are very very capable we have a very uh deep intuition and that's like this is a whole other conversation but that's like a primal Mm -hmm. thing where it's it's for our safety purposes to understand whoever we come upon, we kind of understand, is this person a safe person? Is this person someone I don't want to be around? Is this person happy? Are they sad? Are they, we are constantly picking up cues from other human beings. So if I walk into the weight room and I walk up to the whiteboard and I'm like, all right guys, this is what we have today. We've got this, this, and this, make sure we're talking about this, Da da, da. here's your assignments, this is what we're doing. If I walk in and I'm all business, there's really no room for them to go, Mm -hmm. Hey, so what are you doing Friday night? Like, that's just a very unnatural conversation that you would have with me. I'm all business. So, and when I come in, I'm working and the way that I talk to you is very direct. It's not, it's not Mm -hmm. the way that I would talk to someone if I was at a bar, you know, like I'm, I'm still a human. And so I go, you know, I, when I'm at work, I'm working. I'm the, I'm a coach, you know, when I'm at home with my friends I'm different when I'm, With a boyfriend, I'm different. When I'm at the bar, I'm different. Like I, this is my demeanor and I don't think I invite any of that conversation. Mm -hmm. And if I did, I would have to ask myself like, what did it, whoa, 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 I messed up. That's not on him. Mm -hmm. I messed up by even thinking that there was a window of opportunity for him to approach me like that. The two times in my entire career that that has happened, it's two guys that I think probably hit on a lot of women. (laughs) You know, so I I will give myself a pass. Like, I don't think I invited it. I think Mm -hmm. they just hit on everyone. So Mm -hmm. the only two times that I can really think of off the top of my head. And again, that's after interacting with probably at this point, a thousand players. So Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I think that you can control in large part, you can control what you invite as far as conversations go with Mm -hmm. anyone, but in my situation as well.
0: Awesome. And I I apologize, I didn't mean for this conversation to completely uh, go down that path. I do want to talk about your career, because I think it's really cool. Obviously, it's a part of the story. So we feel like it would be uh, you kind of have to touch upon it. But um, so four years, three years ish, however long at the Cardinals, you then move on to the Astros to handle the Latin America, like what? Why did you want to, I mean, especially, I mean, just considering rivalries, we know the, the Cardinals and Astros hate each other. That's one thing. You then go from the Astros to the Yankees. We know now they hate each other a lot. What was, yeah. uh, what was the opportunity like for the Astros and how much were you able to lean on the fact that you already were in the Dominican Republic for winter ball that, that can make this a lot more of a, and as you said, you spoke Spanish as well. Like how much easier did that make it because you did have that little stint over in the Dominican Republic?
1: You just want to talk about the Astros. That's why we're talking about. This. So. No, no, no,
0: no, no. Well, I have my questions, and I'm probably going to ask most of them offline. I promise you that. I don't.
1: No, that's okay.
0: How many bangs on a trash can? Like, we can make all the jokes. It's not that big a deal. I want to talk about you. I think you got a really cool career, and you know, I'll throw in a jab every once in a while. I hope that's fine.
1: Yeah, um, the Astros. Uh, and like to be clear, I learned most of my Spanish probably when I was a coordinator for the Cardinals because okay. I was traveling to the Dominican for them all the time. I was based in Jupiter where their rookie league teams start for extended spring training for, I mean, really, I think the base, the huge base of my Spanish was as a coordinator for the Cardinals. Um, and then being a Latin American coordinator, of course, that played into it, that I could speak Spanish. Um, and I spent then a lot of time in the Dominican. So my Spanish got even more refined. Um, but I I love working with the young line guys. I just love it. There's so much growth to be had. They are so, they're just, they're like little, you know, bammy on ice. They're just (laughs) just—they're figuring out themselves. They're, they're growing, they're kind of stumbling, they're slipping around everywhere. And they're just, they're so fun. It's so fun to watch them grow because it happens so fast. Like Mm -hmm. they're just in that period of life. So, um, and also just transition to the States and like helping them with that transition of learning English or like, gosh, I took one player to the pharmacy because he got diabetes when he was at the Astros and we like bonded forever. Like he calls me mom still. So I just love working with those guys. And it was, um, when the opportunity came around, I just was like, no doubt. Like I wanted to do that. I lived in the Dominican um, on and off during those two years as a Latin American coordinator, which was phenomenal. Like I spent a little time in the Dominican before that, but I really spent a ton of time mm-hmm. in those two years. And I think I did my most growing as a coach during those two years. So that was really a phenomenal experience. Um, and it set me up nicely to then, you know, I think, I think it's really important for people to work at the lower levels of any job, by the way, Mm -hmm. of any job, but in baseball, I think it's really important before you get to the higher levels, just so you have an understanding of where they're coming from.
0: That is very important. And I guess, you know, kind of rising through those ranks is always important, you know, as you, you, you did enough of that again, in the beginning of your career, but at the same time, still being able to see what that growth is like. And I mean, You know, we talk about it with coaches, we talk about it with players, like very rarely do you just jump in and become the the manager of the Yankees like Aaron Boone. That is totally the, you know, that's the exception to the rule. Obviously he's doing a kick-ass job, but most of the time it's, you know, you have to be that minor league coach for a little while. Then you have to kind of grow up to triple A in most certain t- situations and then get to the major leagues, i.e. I- like uh, the Mets coach now, Luis Rojas, how he was, he pretty much coached every level of minor league, then came to the major league level to be a quality coordinator, whatever the heck that means. And now he's their coach. <laughs> now, obviously very different circumstances there, but you know, just the opportunity to kind of grow through. And most players do that as well. You know, very rarely do we have these 19-year-old kids come up and just rocket like Juan Soto. But at the same time, we do have those. And those are the ones we normally point to because it's very easy. Everyone loves the overnight success kind of thing. But in reality, most of the time it takes. So with the Astros, you were there for a couple years. Um, as you said, Latin America. What's the, like, age group and age range, I guess, that you're working with in, in most of these situations?
1: In the Dominican Republic, 16 to 18. Okay. Uh, in like the lower level rookie leagues it's usually like 18 to 20 ish 21 so So very like
0: weird time in just about every human being's life like 16 to 20 we're all like kind of crazy with hormones and just weird people at that point in time so how did you I guess like (laughs) handle that many people and make sure everyone again being in a different country you know dealing with a lot of different people as language that obviously you can speak but is your second language it sounds like how did you kind of learn on your feet with all all this just stuff uh, kind of all the noise moving around
1: um those guys are really like i said it's they're my favorite i love them and i but um it takes a lot of energy and it takes a lot of very structured learning um they're coming from different backgrounds than us you know they're coming from some of them are have not graduated high school um, and the high school that they did graduate from is not the same that, you know, like mm-hmm. I went to a private Catholic high school. That's not the same. Um, many of them like did, they're not going home with their report card and putting it on their refrigerator. Like mm-hmm. the learning process is very different for them. Um, and some of it is just being extremely repetitive, extremely high structure, which means as a coach, it's a lot of energy and a lot of planning to make sure that you are giving them a path that they can be successful on and not, like if you want to have high expectations, you do one of two things with a group like that. You either set your expectations low so they can meet them or you set your expectations extremely high and then you have to give them step one through a hundred to get to those mm-hmm. high expectations, which is a lot of planning. It's not the same as if you were to go to an SEC school where these kids have not only got into college, but they have to keep a certain GPA. They're extremely high overachievers in their sport by the time they even get to college to play their sport. So they're like these extremely like intense athletes and, you know, and then you get to, you look at the dynamic of the group of the Dominican Republic and that's not the case. So, and some of these guys haven't even played on an organized team in their life. They've only done like showcases, international showcases mm-hmm. to get scouted and signed. So they never even played on a team, the concept of teamwork, the concept of caring for your teammate, these things are not, um, can't take it for granted that they know mm-hmm. or feel that or have learned that. So it's really just uh, a lot of energy and getting them to uh, really putting them in a, I would like to say constrained environment, which constraints led is a as is a um, kinesiology term, mm-hmm. but an approach where you give them no room to fail by giving them very specific instructions for everything. And sometimes they hate that. But I think in the long term, just like anything, it's like five, ten years down the road. Now I've been in coaching long enough to where finally I athletes that hated me are reaching out and saying, Hey, thanks for being so hard on me, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I'm finally cresting that hill of being ten years into my career. And seven years into baseball, where some of the little babies that I coached, you know, seven years ago are finally like, hey, thanks for being such a good, you know, mom to me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you hated me so much. But, <laughs>
0: but <laughs> that makes it worth it, though, so, right? That makes it all yeah, worth it. Yeah, it does. That is awesome. It really does. Um, yeah. So then you said you quit the Astros. Real curious about that. What did you know that nobody else knew? Just out of curiosity. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: I just knew that I wanted to go to school. I kid. <laughs> i was
0: just kidding. Um, so yeah, you went to school uh, over in Europe, as you said, uh, Amsterdam, if I'm not mistaken. And you said biomechanics, which is really cool. Still don't really know what that is, but it sounds awesome. And then I have to assume when you were there, that's when you were working with the Dutch national team teams. Mm-hmm. So yeah. what now? So you've been in the United States. You've been in the Dominican Republic. Now you're over in Europe uh, with baseball and softball. How how different are all these? different teams in different countries when it comes to just kind of playing the same sport, which I always think is really interesting.
1: Um, oh, it was really different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really different. The United States of America is so, is yeah, go USA. That's all I got to say. It's just very different. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's just the Netherlands either, which by the way, I really enjoyed my time there and I learned a ton from them, but the, the country itself, they wouldn't mind me saying this because I would tell them all the time. It's just very laid back. And I am not laid back at all, as you can probably tell. A little bit. So, just um, very relaxed culture in general, and the you know the United States has college sports, which nowhere else in the entire world has that. I don't know if everyone realizes that. Like, there are no college sports outside of the U.S., and college sports is very much like a warrior mentality and like training really hard. And there's this there's this intensity level of it. Um, that doesn't exist anywhere else, including in professional sports in the United States. Mm-hmm. Like college sports is very different. So I think um, the culture surrounding sport models the country. It was very relaxed. However, I learned a ton. Like their coaches are brilliant. They had much more, I would say, cerebral approach um, that i what I've seen, and just a ton of research, like research-based practices that was phenomenal. Um, they're part of the reason why I went to school there is because I knew that I could be a hitting coach with the Netherlands national team. Mm -hmm. So like, that's where I kind of transitioned away from strength and conditioning and more spent more time in the cages, um, and on field with the players. So that was a, that I knew that was important because it was going to help me get a job, um, as a hitting coach in the States. So that was definitely a big reason why I went there in the first place. And they also had an excellent program. Uh, excuse me, they had a, a researcher there who's, leading in the world in eye tracking for hitters so that was another reason That's why i cool. went there yeah. um so the experience itself was extremely valuable extremely um i'm really glad i did it i don't know if i'll be living in the netherlands again anytime soon i'm definitely a proud american <laughs> especially after living abroad for a year um but yeah i definitely think that was uh it was 100 percent the right move for me mm-hmm. in my career and that-
0: that is awesome that you were given that opportunity to be a hitting coach, too. I think that's really important. Again, just you this whole time, and, and I apologize for this going a couple minutes long, but the, your this whole time has been built on you expanding what your knowledge is and what your capabilities are. So that way, when something does come along, you're, you're able to go and you can grab it um, and you can take yep. it. And now, instead of them giving you a shot, now this is the reverse, as I was talking about before. Now you're giving them a shot. You're allowing them uh, to give you this opportunity. And that's how at least it, it, it comes across. That's the energy you utilize I don't know if that's the the actual philosophy you have but that's kind of just the way Uh, you seem like you know what you're doing and why you're doing it and you know you have that confidence obviously which I think is the most important part right
1: I do like to say that I'm playing chess so I I am making very deliberate moves in my career Um, but I, I won't I'd be remiss just to leave out like I still am very grateful that I it was given an opportunity, but like, Absolutely. they don't, you know, my background is diverse and I, I feel confident in my skills and my background. Um, I feel confident, like I've never overmatched a hitting conversation due to the fact that I was mentored, uh, by the Astros hitting coaches who were phenomenal and, and, you know, say the jokes you want, but like the Astros did a lot of things right for a really long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and a couple of people, a couple of things have obviously marred that entire perception, but Luna was a visionary when he first took over that organization and hired some really amazing human beings that that I was fortunate enough to be mentored by, who were even the reason why I was inspired to be a hitting coach is because of the Astros hitting coaches and the way that they were so knowledge-seeking and so open-minded. So I, I was able to be curious around them and learn the Astros hitting philosophy. So I'm just so fortunate to, I still feel like they're giving me a shot, you know, but there is a point where you go down my resume and there's 10 different things there. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of different experiences that other people are not willing to do moving to the Dominican Republic, moving halfway across the world, all, you know, to, to start over, do a second master's degree, like, I've taken a lot of risk. Um, I think that other people have not. And I do know my value. But my, the gratitude part still by far outweighs me saying, well, I'm giving you a shot to hire me. Of eh, course. I'm not there yet. I'm not no. there yet. I don't know if I'll <laughs> ever get there. No. And, and I, I
0: mean, you, you should never... I guess, you know, maybe I said it poorly, but of course you should be grateful for all the opportunities that come your way, but you also earned all of those opportunities. It's not like, you know, someone's taking a shot in the dark on someone just saying like, oh, well, we can give her a chance. It's like, no, very clearly. No, <laughs> it's, it's well earned, but always be grateful. That's kind of something I like to do. But now you're with the Yankees. So congratulations on that. That's nice. That's super cool. And that is recent, correct? You just started with the Yankees this year. Yeah. Oh yeah! Awesome! What a perfect uh, time to start being, uh, you know, a a coach for the Yankees, right? During this all (laughs) all this hecticness that's going on. So, what is your position with the Yankees, and what, um, you know, I guess what was, what was the reason you wanted to work um, in the Yankees organization?
1: I'm a minor league hitting coach, and the I would say the the main reason is because Dylan Lawson, uh, who's my boss, he's the hitting coordinator who oversees all the operations for the minor leagues uh, with regards to hitting. Um, and he was, uh, he was a hitting coach for the Astros in the minor leagues when I was there. Mm -hmm. So he was definitely a friend, a mentor, someone who was passing me books and articles and kind of like turning me on the, onto the idea of eye tracking and understand what that is for hitters. And he really fed my curiosity when I was with the Astros. And then we just stayed in touch after I left to the Netherlands and pretty quickly after I was there he was like, well, well, like, why don't you just be a hitting coach? And I was like, ha ha. And then I was like, yeah, Wait a second. I should do that. That was kind of cool. But, yeah. Cause I was already, I was already like dabbling in that with the Netherlands national team. And I wasn't sure I knew I wasn't going to be a strength coach, but I was like, should I, should I go into scouting? Should I go that route? Um, because there is like a part of me that thinks I'll be in administration long-term and in the front office. Um, but I, once he said it, I mean, it was kind of one of those times where you can't unsee it. You know, Mm. like you see something, you can't unsee it. Once he said that, I just like immediately started imagining myself in pinstripes and like coaching. And I was like, yeah, that's the right thing. That's the right thing to do is in my mind, be as well-rounded as possible by being a hitting coach before I cross over into any kind of scouting or front office stuff. So I can um, see it from a coach's perspective. And I have been coaching for 10 years in the weight room, but see it from Mm -hmm. truly evaluating players on field performance. Um, I think that's a a very important step for me personally, before I was to go on to anything else. And so I have, and I, I'm so glad, so, so glad that I did this before going to scouting or uh, Latin American operations or something like that, because um, I already, like, I have so much to learn here. So I think I'll be here for the foreseeable future um, before moving on to anything else. And I'm just like, I'm beyond happy with that, with that move. And, with the opportunity.
0: I think it's incredible. Um, again, being a big Mets fan, I hate the Yankees, but I'm just, it's more jealousy, honestly, because everything the Mets <laughs> do is wrong and pretty much everything the Mets do or the Yankees do is right. So kind of looking at it from that perspective, I say, you know, stay there as long as you can because uh, there's a lot worse places you could be. Right. And I guess, you know, again, like it's so cool that you get this opportunity and, you know, not get it, but earn the opportunity. And now you're, you know, you're working with the Yankees, you're on the field, you're a hitting coach, you know, but, you can yawn, it's fine. No one can see you, it's okay. Um, but um, <laughs> with um, with the, obviously with everything kind of just going on, you get this job, you start in what, like February? And now like less than a month or maybe a month and change in, obviously the whole world's turned on its head. Nothing is the same. So I, I have a lot of questions about the job, but you've only been doing it for so long. So I guess more of the questions are like, what are you currently doing and, and how are you currently working with players? You know, we all just saw that video, of Joey Gallo, um, you know, hitting, hitting balls in his apartment. I don't know if you saw it, but it's only windows and he's hitting all these baseballs. And it's like one of those, man, that's going to be bad. But like, what are you doing to help players? Like, are like, how much contact can you have? Are you having like, I guess, this is just a weird time, but this is, I mean, that's really just, all the all questions just like I everyone ask. else, yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. We're just like, we're just like everyone else, you know, we're, uh, all of us are at home and, um, we're just we're communicating through text and video and memes, a lot of memes. <laughs> I'm passing out a lot of memes. Um, but just like staying in contact with the players. They're sending video, we're sending video. I've watched I mean, in some ways, I, I think I'm I always try to look at something from a ten thousand, fifty thousand uh foot view, and I think that there's some positives to this. One of the positives personally for me is that I get a chance because I was hired and then things go fast in spring training. And so once I had some guys that I was kind of working with, um, I didn't really have a chance to dig into them. And so I've, I've watched like hours and hours and hours Mm -hmm. of video of all these players, whereas during spring training, you don't have that time. Mm -hmm. So for me, I've just been studying our players very closely and uh, just staying in contact through, I mean, they're big, you know, text, social media people. Mm -hmm. So, uh, trying to communicate in their language. So texting them and, um, them exchanging funny instagram memes with me is is something where uh just staying in contact with yeah. them and knowing that they're i'm here as a resource and then they'll be like hey i i'm at this cage and i was hitting today with this guy what do you think about this so um we're just like everyone else you know we're mm-hmm. on hold and there's a lot of people that are in much worse situations of than course, us yeah. so yeah
0: and and so what um how many players do you work with personally? Is it just anyone that reaches out you work with? Are you? Is it a specific level? I, I've never really understood how that works.
1: Um, well, for me personally, I'm going to be working at the Gulf Coast League level. level. Okay. So when it starts, that's who I'll be with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but during spring training, it was kind of like um, Dylan, our boss is kind of, he's really good about letting things form organically. So if there's like players that, you've had a great conversation with and they you vibe with and you have a good relationship with, that's kind of how we've like gone about it so far. Um, or he'll pick a certain player that he thinks will fit well with you from a personality standpoint or the players that he thinks are going to be at the same level that you're at type of thing. So um, it just depends, but more or less it happens organically in some ways. So, mm-hmm.
0: so I have yeah, to but ask once,
1: that. once season breaks, you, yeah. you know, that's how, yeah.
0: So are are you just like texting back and forth with judge just like sending him funny memes all the time?
1: Uh, no, he's not one of the players on my list to contact. So, um, I'll I leave can't. that to the, the major it's league pretty, staff,
0: but it's still pretty cool. It's worth, it's <laughs> worth asking. There's some, some incredible, uh, obviously the Yankees farm systems always stacked. Uh, I know they have some great athletes and I'm sure you're helping them considerably and we really do appreciate that. And the last thing I do want to talk about, you're doing this awesome, awesome causes we've been talking about the last couple of minutes. Obviously the world is on its head, everything with COVID-19, the coronavirus. Um, and the way I was actually able to get in contact with you was I, uh, somebody retweeted what you're doing and how you're raising money every day and uh, for different charities. And, you know, I I said, you know, it's super easy. Anybody can donate $5. Um, So I went about and I gave you a couple bucks, which I think is great. And, you know, hopefully that does something because every dollar does count. So I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about what you're doing and and how you're raising some money uh, for, you know, all these different charities.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I don't want to, I'm not uh, claiming sainthood by any means, but just um,
0: nobody else is doing it. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, when we were sent home, I just was like, I felt like a sense of helplessness, which I think we, a lot of us are feeling uh, especially cause we're just like sitting at home, Like, what can you do? You're sitting at home. You can't even volunteer your time at some places. So um, I, I was feeling this helplessness and then I was like, wait, I'm not helpless. I have the internet and I have a small social media following. Like maybe I just put that, this out there. So I just decided to pledge $5 of my own money for each day that MLB is Is on break. So 35 bucks a week. And then I just created a GoFundMe and I was like, Hey, if anyone wants to join in, join in. And so I put a link in my bio and pretty cool. We're almost up to $3,000 so far. And, um, it's a, seems like a drop in the bucket, but the first week we donated, I think $1,500 to a food bank. And I mean, I talked to the owner of the food bank and she was like, you don't understand this is huge. And you know, $1 is five meals because they buy everything in bulk and they they can get creative with their resources. And I just thought $1, is five meals, like $1 makes a difference. And so I don't know, the idea is just to be a good human and try to try to contribute where you can, whenever you can. And the initial response, I think for a lot of people is just, it's overwhelming. The problem is too big. Who do I give the money to? If I was going to donate, who do I give it to? And so I kind of just, am like, Hey, Throw in this GoFundMe and I'll do the work to get it where it needs to go. Um, but just inspiring people to kind of do what they can and, and give what they can. So that's that was the idea behind it. So there's just a link in my Twitter and my Instagram bio and give a dollar, give $5 and it, it really makes a difference.
0: Exactly. And again, I, it's, people people don't r- realize how much, even $1, like if $1 could, you know, you give 10 bucks, that's 50 meals. I mean a lot of people can eat off 50 meals like, I think yeah. that like that's a lot so you know it doesn't matter what you can give even as you said a single dollar helps you know potentially you know two people one person eat for two straight days like that's incredible when you think about it so the the more you can do that the more more impressive it can be and that's one of the big reasons why i wanted to have you on too hopefully we could share that message a little bit more all those links will be in the show notes obviously your social medias but also that one specifically i can just pull that out and put it right in there so hopefully a couple extra people when they're listening to this they like your story they think you're inspiring and heck maybe they all give a dollar that would be kind of cool so get you a couple hundred extra bucks somewhere along the way so that would be wonderful Rachel, this was amazing. Really appreciate your time. Um, that's about all I got. Any th- I, I, I didn't even throw that many jokes in there. Look at that. I, I held <laughs> back. I bit my tongue.
1: Great. Thank you for that. <laughs> no, I can't. No,
0: Rachel Balkovec, minor league hitting coach with the New York Yankees, all-around incredible person. Rachel, really appreciate your time today.
1: Thank you very much.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this episode of For the Love of Sports with Rachel Bolkovic. As I said, all-around incredible person, what she's done and how she's done it. It was so much fun to get to learn from her what she's doing and, and how she's doing it. And now, obviously, with the Yankees, a very prestigious organization, hopefully she continues to crush it there. Make sure to follow her on these her socials. Everything is in the show notes. Also, I will make sure that the link to donate to her GoFundMe is also in the show notes. And please make sure to give us a five-star review wherever you're listening to us. It would be super super helpful. So thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you giving me some of yours and I hope you make it a wonderful day.